Grace, mercy, and peace are yours in abundance. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this morning is our first reading, Genesis chapter 45. I'll remind you of these words. Joseph said, It was not you who sent me here, but God. This is the word of our God. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm going to read a movie quote to you. See if you remember where this comes from. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you are looking for ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Ringing a bell for anybody? It's actually kind of a famous speech. Those are the words of actor Liam Neeson in the 2008 movie Taken, which has since spawned two sequels and a television series. In the original movie, Neeson plays a retired CIA operative whose daughter is kidnapped, and then he uses in that movie his particular set of skills to find her and save her and take revenge on her captors. The Taken movies have proved to be pretty popular. They brought in almost a billion dollars in worldwide box office since 2008. And you know something? Over the years, there have been lots of other movies with very similar plot lines. There are lots of movies out there about revenge. Why do you think that plot line is so popular? I have a theory. I think it's because that is just our natural inclination as sinful human beings. If somebody hurts you, often your first thought is, well, I'm going to hurt them back. And many people in this world think that forgiveness, well, forgiveness is for the weak. My friends, our God is not weak. And yet, he is the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yes, this is the same God who also says, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, because he remains the just and holy God. But God's first thought, his greatest desire, is not for vengeance. God longs to forgive. The portion of his word before us today is really, I think, a beautiful story about forgiveness. You know, there was perhaps no one else in all of history who was in better position to serve up a nice cold dish of revenge than was Joseph. I mean, he could have let his brothers have it for what they had done to him, but he didn't do so. Why? I think there are basically two reasons. Joseph remembered God's pardon, and Joseph remembered God's plan. And you know something? I think in those two reasons, my friends, we find also our reasons to forgive. So to understand the events of our text, we really need to understand the events leading up to our text. So let me try to give you the Cliff's Notes version of this account. Joseph was the beloved son of Jacob. 
In fact, he was such a beloved son, he was Joseph's favorite, that Joseph gave him what sometimes is called his coat of many colors. Uh, Scripture calls it his richly ornamented robe. He gave it only to Joseph, not to the other brothers. And the brothers saw this, and they became very jealous, and they hated Joseph for it. Later on, Joseph had some dreams that didn't make things better. In these dreams, he saw his brothers and even his father bowing down to him. That just made the brothers hate him more. So much so that one day when Joseph was coming out to visit them in the field where they were tending the flocks, they hatched a plan to kill him. Thankfully, Reuben, the oldest brother, spoke up, talked some sense into them, so they didn't kill him. They just sold him off into slavery. And then they took that richly ornamented robe and they slaughtered a goat and they put the blood of the goat all over that robe and showed it to their father, convincing him that Joseph was dead, that he had been torn apart by a wild animal. Meanwhile, Joseph had been brought to Egypt, where God was with him, and things went well, but then he was falsely accused and sent to prison, and God was still with him in prison. God had given Joseph this special ability to interpret dreams, which eventually got him the attention of Pharaoh himself, who had had a troubling dream. Joseph interpreted it for him. The dream was predicting seven years of plenty for the land of Egypt and then seven years of famine to follow that. Joseph even was so bold as to give Pharaoh some advice on how to deal with that, those years of famine. He said, make sure during the seven years of plenty you are storing up lots and lots of grain. That'll get you through those lean years. Well, Pharaoh was so impressed with Joseph's ability to interpret dreams and with his very wise plan to make it through those years of famine that he actually raised Joseph up from prison all the way to being second in command in Egypt, just below the Pharaoh himself. Again, God was with him. Then we come to the events of our text. Joseph has his brothers right where he wants them. Here he is, the second in command, one of the most powerful men in the world, and he has his brothers right in his grasp. Remember, these are the men who hated him so much at one point that they wanted him dead. These are the men who sold him into slavery. These are the men who separated him from his own family and caused him so much hardship and so much heartache. Oh, he could have done all kinds of things to them. He could have had them imprisoned. He could have had them tortured. He could have given the word and they would have been immediately executed. But he didn't do any of those things. He didn't even give them a stern tongue lashing. He simply forgave them. After revealing his identity to them, and remember Joseph had been gone for 20 years, he'd been living in Egypt, he looked like an Egyptian, he spoke like an Egyptian, so he had to reveal his identity to them. After doing so, Joseph said to his understandably terrified brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed, and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Joseph's patience and restraint are just amazing, aren't they? I mean, who of us wouldn't have at least given those brothers a piece of our mind? How dare you? Do you know what you did to me? Do you know what you put me through? Do you know what you put our dad through by making him think that I was dead? No, instead, he was gentle with them. He spoke kind words to them. And again, we ask, why? I mean, his brothers did not deserve to be treated this way. 
And isn't that exactly the point? Joseph wasn't treating them as their sins against him deserved. He was dealing with them graciously, the same way that his God had always dealt with him. You see, Joseph served the one true God, the God of mercy and compassion, the God who loves and who forgives, the God who had graciously pardoned all of his sins. And so in thanks for that forgiveness, Joseph forgave his brothers. Each week, here in God's house, we pray precious words, words taught to us by our Savior himself. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. God's gracious forgiveness is the catalyst. It's the fuel that empowers us to forgive others. You know, we come into this house of God and we look at this cross. And honestly, the image of Jesus on the cross, the first thing it should remind us of is our own sins, our arrogance, and our anger, our desire to seek vengeance, to make those who hurt us hurt, to get our pound of flesh, our unforgiving hearts. Those sins put Jesus on that cross. Those sins pierced his hands and his feet, his side and his brow. Those sins sent him to hell in our place. But of course, my friends, it's not just our sins that we think about when we look at that cross. We look at the image of Jesus on that cross and we get a glimpse of God's forgiving heart. A God who so desires a relationship with us that he willingly sent his one and only son to shed his blood on the cross to pay for our sins that ruined the relationship in the first place. A God who himself would rather go to hell in our place than be in heaven without us. A God whose greatest desire, whose deep love is to forgive sinners. My friends, remember that. Remember God's gracious pardon. You are forgiven in Christ. God has separated you, you from your sins as far as the east is from the west. And there's that wonderful truth that enables you to pardon others. Yes, my friends, remember God's pardon. And also remember that God always has a plan. Joseph remembered that, and he explained it to his brothers as they stood there, no doubt, with their mouths hanging open. He said, now, do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. And then Joseph kind of came to his summary statement. He said, So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. Friends, I want you to note that in all of this, Joseph never downplayed his brother's sins against him. He never even hinted a little bit that their actions were okay. He simply stated that God was working behind the scenes, that God had a plan through it all, that God was able to bring good even from the evil that they had done to him. You see, God used their evil deeds to get Joseph to Egypt, where he raised him up to a position of power and authority and influence. And Joseph's wise plan saved many thousands, probably many hundreds of thousands of lives, including those of his own family. He brought his father and the rest of the family down to Egypt. He settled them in Goshen, a beautiful and fertile region of Egypt. 
And eventually, of course, the world Savior would descend from the great nation that they grew into as God had promised Abraham. And you know what? 1,900 years after the events of our text, that's exactly what happened. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. So you see, my friends, God was working behind the scenes, the Lord of history, not just to save lives in a time of famine, but to preserve a nation and finally, ultimately, to save the world from sin through the gift of his one and only Son. That is the great deliverance that Joseph was talking about. Our God has given us a wonderful promise. We know it well. We cling to it often, don't we? We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all things, God is at work behind the scenes for our good, even in those things that are terrible, that are painful, that are truly hard to forgive. Years of a father's verbal abuse. Lies and betrayal from what someone that you thought was your trusted friend. A spouse's infidelity. A life snuffed out by a drunk driver. Can we really forgive such things? Can we really let go of and get past the pain and the anguish that they bring upon our hearts? Yes, we can. But only in Christ. As the Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. In Christ we can forgive in spite of our pain, in spite of our anguish, trusting that God is working and that he will cause it all to serve our ultimate eternal good. Dear friends, like Joseph, when we forgive, we're not saying that what the person did to us was okay. In fact, we're saying exactly the opposite. We're saying that it's something that needs to be forgiven. Nor are we saying that forgiveness is deserved. Forgiveness never is deserved. We're simply saying from one undeserving sinner to another, I'm not going to hold against you what you did to me. I'm not going to seek revenge. I'm not going to try to hurt you back or make you pay. I forgive you. I forgive you. Those are some of the hardest words in the English language to say. How can we ever do it? I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesians. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. And here's the key. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. What would this world be like if everyone lived their life according to those words? It's hard to imagine, right? Suffice it to say, this world would be a lot better place in which to live. How do we get to such a place? Christ is the key. Look to him. Look to his cross. That's where you will find the power to pardon. It's at the cross that our God gives us our own particular set of skills. Skills that are not at all about seeking vengeance. Skills that are about forgiving others. Because in Christ, God empowers us to forgive and to forget. And by the way, I think it's worth mentioning the manner in which Joseph forgave his brothers. He assured them again and again that their sin was forgotten, 
But how he did it is interesting. He wasn't distant or aloof from them, as he could have been based on his position, second in command in all of Egypt. He was warm to them. He was kind to them. He embraced them. He wept over them. He showed lots of emotion. My friends, when you forgive someone, there are ways to show them that you're serious, that you mean what you say. When you say those precious words, I forgive you, look them in the eye. Perhaps extend your hand to them, speak kindly to them, maybe even wrap them up in a hug. Wrap them up in the same forgiving love that your Savior has shown to you. Liam Neeson has a movie out right now. I think you can see it here in Manitowoc. It's been out since early February. It's called Cold Pursuit. I'm going to read to you a description that I found on the internet. I'm not making this up. A snowplow driver seeks revenge against the drug dealers he thinks killed his son. Same old story recycled over and over again. It probably is going to be a popular movie because people, of course, love to see the bad guys get what they deserve. My friends, thank God that he doesn't give us bad guys what we deserve. And let's thank him by not giving our fellow bad guys what they deserve. No, instead, in Christ, let's forgive them. God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen.